Hello, my name is Emily Fournier, a marketing specialist here at Workplace Options. And today I'm here to talk to you about smoking and the harmful repercussions it can have on not just your health and quality of life, but perhaps more insidiously on your work performance as well. Later in this episode, I will go over some best practices that workers can adopt to try to curb or altogether stop the use of tobacco, as well as some strategies that their employers can pick up as well to reduce the effects of smoking in their workplace and protect the well-being of their workforce. But first, I'd like to take a look at just how powerful and destructive tobacco is across all aspects of life, from our health to our employment, to our environment, our economy, and more, and why it's so hard to avoid and even harder to quit. The stress that we've collectively experienced over the past few years has been enough to make many want to grab a pack and step outside, including one in 10 smokers who had previously quit yet inevitably relapsed during the COVID-19 pandemic. According to recent estimates, approximately half of the global workforce is experiencing significant stress on a daily basis, including nearly two-thirds of the working population in the U.S., placing them at significant risk of developing unhealthy coping mechanisms like smoking or vaping. In fact, research shows that people experiencing stress or other adverse mental health conditions like anxiety, PTSD, and depression are about twice as likely to use tobacco compared to those who are otherwise mentally healthy. It should be no surprise, then, that tobacco sales recently increased for the first time in 20 years, with the number of smokers reaching an all-time high of 1.3 billion people around the world, according to the World Health Organization. For starters, research shows that smokers have a harder time getting hired and a harder time staying employed. In one study, the chances of getting a job within a year was reduced by nearly 25% for unemployed smokers compared to their non-smoking counterparts, even when factors like criminal history were considered. Furthermore, studies have found that smokers are overall less likely to be employed, are at higher risk of being fired or laid off, and consequently earn about 20% less compared to non-smokers. This can prove detrimental to smokers' already damaged health as they struggle to keep up with the demanding and rising costs of their habit, or as is often the case, addictions, which averages at a whopping $3,000 a year per person along with the rising cost of healthcare possibly needed to treat tobacco-related illnesses, not to mention the rising cost of food, housing, utilities, and other basic necessities. The reason why such disparities exist between smokers and non-smokers is because of the many adverse effects that smoking can have on work performance. For instance, as a result of those unwanted feelings of anxiety, frustration, irritability, restlessness, and stress that smoking causes, People who often smoke find it difficult to concentrate or focus on work, which not only reduces the quality of their work, but it also results in delays in getting it done, resulting in considerable productivity losses for their employers. And because of the damages that smoking can cause to a person's heart, their lungs, their bones, their digestive organs, and their entire immune system, smokers are shown to be more prone to increase accidents, injuries, and illnesses compared with their non-smoking peers, and are furthermore slow to recover from such incidents. As a result, studies show that employees who smoke take about twice as many sick days as their non-smoking peers and lose almost double the number of hours lost by their peers due to presenteeism. In fact, in some industries where the use of tobacco is ubiquitous, like construction and food services, the average smoking worker is estimated to take a total of 73 minutes worth of smoking breaks per day, that's almost a full day's worth of work lost in just a single week. Adjusted for inflation, studies estimate the total productivity loss due to tobacco use to be well above $200 billion each year in the U.S. alone, averaging at about $8,000 per tobacco-using employee in 2021. 
And that's not even including the additional $8.3 million projected to be lost as a result of secondhand smoke exposure, nor the billions of dollars accrued in healthcare costs and workers' compensation claims. And perhaps worst of all, the prevalence of smoking and tobacco use in the workplace can also dissolve culture, as coworkers are unfairly subjected to the series of health risks that come from exposure to secondhand smoke. That alone not only builds resentment between peers, but within workplaces that authorize 5-20 to 20 minute breaks, in which they are counted as hours worked and thus are paid, non-smoking workers may feel as though their smoking peers are getting special treatment and are getting paid to do less work. And as we talk about quite often at WPO, this results in additional costs for the employer and significant consequences for their employees, as a toxic work culture leads to further sicknesses or injuries, mental illnesses, and disruptions like absenteeism, voluntary turnover. The good news, however, is that despite the incredulously long list of damages that smoking can cause to workers' health, well-being, relationships, performance, and employment prospects, they can just as easily be overturned. In the workplace, studies have found that smoking cessation reduced the added burden of tobacco use to such an extent that former smokers were virtually indistinguishable from their non-smoking peers in terms of absenteeism, presenteeism, activity impairment, and overall work impairment, and in some cases were found to be even more productive than their peers. Even when it comes to health outcomes, experts at the University of Chicago Medicine claim that as soon as a person quits smoking, their body immediately starts to recover with the chance of heart attack decreasing in just 24 hours, the risk of heart disease dropping to almost half that of a smoker in just a single year, and the risk of lung cancer dropping to half that of a smoker in 10 years. Even the many slight yet persistent symptoms of smoking, from coughing to shortness of breath, sinus congestion, fatigue, headaches, chest pains, and more, are shown to decrease in just a matter of weeks to months, while the risk of heart disease is shown to drop all the way down to that of a non-smoker, in just 15 years following cessation. So, with all the detriments of smoking and all the benefits of not smoking in mind, one would think that it should be easy to quit, a no-brainer. But unfortunately, that isn't the case, but it's not for lack of effort. Research shows that nearly two out of every three people who smoke say they want to quit, and around half make the attempt to do so each year. However, for most of them, this is to no avail. This not only goes back to what I mentioned before about the vicious cycle of nicotine addiction, but also the emotional dependence on smoking that many people can develop. Experts at the American Cancer Society use the example of someone using tobacco as a way to manage or cope with unpleasant feelings and emotions, like the stress I mentioned earlier. If someone is smoking as a way to cope with, and inevitably avoid, grappling with the dissolution of their marriage, for example, This can make it extremely difficult for the person to quit, as they have to face their feelings and circumstances head-on while grasping in the dark to try to find a healthier source that will provide the same sense of relief that smoking had offered them. For someone else who smokes as a social activity, such as those struggling with alcoholism often do with drinking, they may also find it difficult to resist the urge when they're out with friends. Because of these factors and more, research posits that it can take as many as 30 attempts or more before a person is able to successfully quit. In fact, in a recent literature review of studies on people trying to quit the substance they're addicted to, researchers found that while 18% of people were able to quit drinking and more than 40% were able to quit opiates and cocaine, only 8% of people who attempted to quit smoking were able to do so. Even for aspiring ex-smokers who managed to abstain for an entire year, face an 85% likelihood of relapsing, new research shows. 
Still, studies suggest that there are a number of ways in which individuals can work toward curbing their tobacco use. And perhaps one of the most successful strategies that some experts recommend is taking advantage of the impulse that led people to smoke to begin with. In fact, while most researchers have focused on the success rate or efficacy of the traditional cessation strategy of choosing a day to quit, other researchers have found that those who quit on an impulse have considerably higher success rates, often because of the presence of a strong motivational factor that led to that impulse to quit to begin with, such as a fight with friends or family, a health scare or a scary doctor's appointment, or something to that effect. Furthermore, and perhaps more importantly, studies throughout the years have shown that success rates are significantly improved among quitters who receive either professional or consistent support from friends, family, or peers along the way. This is especially true for those who receive support at work, creating a space for employers to get involved in their employee cessation efforts. And one of the first and most effective steps that an employer can take to help his or her employees quit, experts argue, is by implementing a smoke-free workplace policy. In fact, studies have shown that smokers who work under a total smoking ban are more likely to attempt to quit, are likely to be in cessation for at least six months, are more likely to have a voluntary 100% smoke-free home, and even for those who continue to smoke without making the attempt to quit, even they are more likely to be light smokers when working for a smoke-free employer. Another strategy backed by research is to provide financial incentives. In a well-known study conducted among GE employees who were offered up to $750 to quit smoking, researchers discovered that employees were over three times more likely to quit smoking when they were financially incentivized. Additionally, many organizations underscored the benefits and importance of providing financial coverage for treatment and other essential resources. For instance, the American Lung Association and Mass Brigham General encourage employers to cover at least four counseling sessions per quit attempt and not placing a limit on the amount of covered quit attempts a smoker can make during their time with an organization. Experts also encourage employers to provide full or partial reimbursements for nicotine replacement products like patches, inhalers, and gums for at least 10 weeks or more. Creating a trade-in program in which smokers can exchange their cigarettes, pens, or other products for nicotine replacement products, or even behavioral replacements like sugar-free lollipops and chewing gum, is also strongly recommended as well as offering smoking diaries to help employees record their habits and identify patterns in their cravings to help them make informed behavioral changes. Other effective strategies include educational programs that warn employees about the harmful effects of smoking, in efforts to dissuade would-be smokers from developing the habit, and to motivate current smokers to quit. Team challenges that strengthen employees' perceived sense of social support and empower them to quit by helping them to believe that they can overcome their addictions is also strongly encouraged. Ultimately, however, experts stress the importance of choosing solutions that offer employees personalized and holistic support that allow them to work at their own pace, access support in a way most effective for them, and work through their own unique reasons for smoking and the unique barriers or roadblocks that might be preventing them from quitting. To provide that support, researchers strongly recommend investing in tobacco cessation coaching services to offer customized and individual support, working with employees one-on-one to develop personalized plans and holding them accountable along their journey, while also helping them to nurture new habits that can contribute to long-term success. When employers demonstrate this commitment to their employees' health and well-being, studies have shown that they can not only improve attendance, productivity, performance, and save on costs, but they can also inspire innovation, creativity, and enhance their organizational culture. Nicotine addiction is not a moral failing, nor is it an individual issue. 
As smokers are well aware, the cost of secondhand smoke to their peers, their loved ones, to their communities and their environment are dire. And as survey findings clearly show, many of them want to kick their bad habits, but they can't do it alone. So, as employers look to expand their commitment to employee well-being through flexible and personalized benefits as the year continues, it may be wise to consider the impact that providing cessation support can have on helping them to achieve such goals. And with that concludes our podcast on how employees and their employers can limit the effects of smoking in the workplace. This has been Emily Fournier. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, take care.